This morning reading is taken from Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 15, and is starting on page 1002 of your Bibles. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attending him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder when the last time was that you received some really good news. It can seem as we look at our country around us and and wider around the world, it seems that all we're getting these days is bad news. Last month, um, my wife Rosie and I uh, had a a very special occasion. We had our first night away from our daughter Lily since she was born. Our daughter is 17 months old. We love her very much. But we were looking forward to this night away uh, from Lily. Uh, My parents had um, very kindly agreed to come and spend the Friday night at our house so we could go away to a nice hotel and spa. Thursday morning, Lily wakes up with a high temperature. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, She's not the best during the day, not not, um, enjoying life, not running around like she normally is. Um, She goes to bed Thursday night still with a high temperature. Friday morning, she wakes up. It's gone down slightly, but it's, it's like in the orange range. Have you got those like electronic ones you put in their ear? It's gone from red to orange. So there's hope, but she's still not herself. My parents arrived at lunchtime um, that day, and my mum didn't tell me this until after the weekend, but she took one look at Lily and said, mm, you two aren't going anywhere tonight. <laughs> um, she got better over the afternoon, so much so that she settled pretty well, and Rosie and I thought, let's go for it. Look, if she wakes up during the night, if she cries, if she's upset, just give us a ring, we'll come back. But let's at least try. Um, So we went off to a hotel, um, enjoyed a night's sleep. 
looking forward to that lie-in. 7.30 a.m., fire alarm. <laughs> Would you believe it? I know! Fire alarm, Rose and I wake up and look at each other. You are joking me. Um, but it was one of those that lasted for like five seconds and then stopped. So then you've got that dilemma in your head of going, do we, don't we? No, leave it, leave it. Ten seconds later, it goes off again. And we're just looking at each other going, seriously, I, uh. We move on from there. We think, let's have a lovely breakfast together. It's a hotel and spa. We'll go and enjoy the swimming pool together. Had a nice breakfast. We're making our way down to the swimming pool. And as we're walking down there, I'm noticing there's loads of like kids with their parents heading in the same direction. <laughs> we get to the reception and say, oh, are we able to use the pool? And the person says, are you guests here? So yeah, 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 we stayed the night. He said, yeah, yeah, you're very welcome to use the pool. Um, just to let you know, in five minutes, there's a children's swimming lesson starting. <laughs> And I said, okay, so is there a, like a second pool that we can use? Like, no, 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 no. What we'll do is we'll just put that rope down the middle and you can just relax on the other side. I look to my left and the pool is about the size of this stage. It's not like a 25-meter pool where we can just relax on the other end. I turned to Rosie and I said, Rosie, what do you think? And, and she's, she's I, I'm not sure. What about you? I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not sitting in a pool with a load of little kids having their swimming lesson with their parents sat around the outside watching. I'm, I'm really, really sorry. So as we walked away from the pool, my phone buzzes. Text from my mum. And I remember thinking, just give me some good news. Lily slept straight through the night. And then in the morning, when my mum went to get her, first time anyone bar me and Rosie have woken her up first thing in the morning, she wakes up with a massive smile on her face to see Grandma. Look, I know it's trivial, right? But, but that was good news for us. I wonder what good news might be for you this morning. Look, for you, maybe getting a good night's sleep, that's not trivial at all. Maybe it's been weeks, months even, since you've been able to have a good rest and night's sleep. That would be good news. Maybe you're after good news in your family. Maybe it's, it's hearing from someone in your family. To hear from them, that would be good news. Maybe it's something in your job, at work. Maybe you hope to go back to work tomorrow and you're waiting for a response of a project you're working on and you're just hoping to get good news. Oh, for some good news, right? This morning, we're starting a new series in the book of Mark. And, and in his opening line, as, um, as we heard, in his opening line, Mark gives us the punchline for his whole book. It, it, you'd almost kind of, if you were reading a review or, or previewing it for him, you'd almost kind of say, it's probably not the best way to start a book by giving away the punchline. You can't imagine reading a kind of whodunit and the first line being, it was Colonel Mustard in the drawing room with the lead piping. Now let me tell you what happened. It just doesn't work like that. But Mark's not writing a whodunit. And so he starts by telling us what his book is all about. And in his first few words, he says, I've got good news for you. Have a look down. This word gospel in verse 1, it literally means good news. And so Mark says, here is the beginning of the good news. There is something starting, there is a new beginning, and it is all about good news. And I want to tell you all about it. 
Mark wants to say Christianity, it is all about good news. And it's this good news that we want to celebrate and want to pray that Sebastian will grow up knowing all of his life. Maybe you're here this morning, and I don't want to assume anything. Maybe you're here this morning, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Well, Mark says, this is good news for you. This is good news that has stood the test of time. Mark writes this gospel, this good news, this book, to say this is good news that is rooted in the historical figure of Jesus Christ. This is a historical document based on eyewitness testimony. And Mark says this good news is not fake news. It's true news, and it's good news. It's good news that is thousands of years old, and yet is still changing and transforming billions of people's lives today. And so with the challenges facing us today, with the plenty of bad news around the world today, I wonder if it's worth having a look at this good news. So let's take a look at this opening section of Mark's book as we explore this good news. And if you've got your notice sheet, you'll see on the back three aspects of this good news that we're going to have a look at in our time this morning. Here's the first. Mark says this good news is about Jesus. Mark says this good news is all about a person. The beginning of the gospel, the good news, about Jesus And now, it's only the first few words, but I don't want us to move quickly past this. You see, Christianity isn't about rules or laws. It isn't about just being good or making sure you do the right things or don't do the wrong things. In fact, Christianity isn't even primarily about church and coming together and the groups and activities that we put on. It's not primarily about the Bible and reading it regularly. No, Whilst these are all good, important things, do you see what Mark says Christianity is fundamentally about? It's fundamentally about a person. And so in these first few sentences, Mark shows us making the point clear by giving us three testimonies. The first is his own testimony, Mark's testimony, and here is his testimony at the beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And throughout Mark, we see Jesus drawing people to himself. It's all about him. And then in verses 2 to 3, he gives us the prophet's testimony. Let me read it. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. These are prophecies or predictions that have been made hundreds of years before the events that are going on here. And Mark wants to draw our attention to them, to say these prophecies, these predictions that were made hundreds of years, they're pointing forward and they're saying, someone is going to come and he will prepare the way for the Lord because it is all about him. And now... Mark writes because he says that someone has come. Mark gives us his testimony. Mark gives us the prophet's testimony. And then he shows us John the Baptist's testimony in verses uh, 4 to 8. Let me read it to us. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so, Mark says at the beginning of verse 4, and so John comes. And John preaches a message of, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's getting people ready for the Lord's arrival. Verse 4. And the crowds flock to him, and they come and they are baptized by him, verse 5. Baptism, it's, it's, it's a symbol. It's a sign. It's a sign of being washed clean. John, in his message of repentance for forgiveness of sins, is saying, look, you've done something wrong. You've turned your back on God. You've failed to live as he calls you to live, and you need to turn from it. You need to be washed clean from it. And so this baptism is a sign, is a symbol of that washing clean. Then in verse 6, we get a description of John's appearance. It, it, it looks random, but, but what this is, this is how prophets appeared. And so anyone who will have seen John in this appearance would have straight away been taken back to the prophets of the Old Testament like Elijah and gone, here is one like Elijah. What's he going to say to us? And so what's his message? Verses 7 to 8, he comes to announce Jesus. John is just preparing the way for someone else. And he says, the one I'm preparing the way for, oh, he's so powerful. In fact, he's so much more powerful than me that I am not even worthy to, to kneel down and untie his sandals. This was a role that was considered so lowly that not, not even the servants would do it. It'd be reserved for the lowest slaves. And do you see what John's saying? He's saying, this guy is so powerful, so important, that I'm not even good enough to do that. John says, I mean, compare what I do to what he's coming to do. I just baptize with water. It's, it's just a sign. It's, it's a symbolism, an act of symbolism. This guy, he's going to come and do the real thing. He's going to come and baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is going to be able to actually do that inner transformation, that inner washing clean of all our wrongdoing. Christianity is all about the person Jesus. And so the challenge is, let's not forget this. Whether you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or whether you're here and you've been a Christian for decades, Christianity is all about Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I met up with a friend who I hadn't seen for a while, and um, we were chatting about how it'd be great to keep in touch and encourage one another. Um, he also works for a church up in the north of England. Um, and I can remember what he said. It really struck me. He said, look, I'd love to keep in touch. Let's keep encouraging each other. But I, just, I don't just want to hear about just how things are going, what's been hard, what's been good. Tell me about Jesus, he said. I want you to encourage me about Jesus. I want to hear about Jesus. And so if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, can I challenge you to look into this man, Jesus? 
a man who literally split history into two, B.C. and A.D. A man who is the subject of the best-selling book ever written. A man who has changed more lives than anyone else and continues to do so today. Look into this man. Come and chat to me about him if you've got questions. I'd love to talk to you. Look into that Christianity Explored course that we mentioned that looks into this man. And if you are a Christian, don't move on from Jesus. Keep concentrating on Jesus. Get people around you who will ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus going? What would it look like after church as we enjoy a cup of tea or coffee to tell someone what you find so amazing about this man, Jesus, and what he's done in your life? Mark gives us good news, and it's all about Jesus. Secondly, Mark gives us good news about a king in verses 19 to 15. Do you see how Mark started off, as we've looked in the first sentence, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ? Christ isn't just a kind of surname. No, no, Christ is a title, and a really significant title. Christ, or Messiah, it might say in your version, it it means this is God's anointed king. This is God's promised king who's going to come and who's going to rescue his people. And so we see when Jesus bursts on the scene in verse 9. Jesus comes from Nazareth. He's baptized by John. He's baptized as a way of identifying with the people he's come to rescue. A way of saying, look, this is what you need to do, and I can do it for you. And do you see the extraordinary event that happens as Jesus comes up out of the water in verse 10? The Holy Spirit descends on him, and a voice speaks. The voice of God, Jesus' Father. And it's so significant what's spoken. The voice says, you are my son. This is a quote from Psalm 2. A psalm that speaks of a coming king. A coming king who will defeat his enemies. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is referring back to Isaiah 42, which is the start of a section in Isaiah that speaks about a coming servant. But it's a coming servant who will come and suffer for his people. Suffer by giving up his life for his people. Do you see what God is saying when he speaks to Jesus, what he's telling us about Jesus? Here is my king. And this king is coming to be the suffering servant. But this isn't what the people are expecting. The people are waiting for this king, this Christ, but they're expecting a king who will come all guns blazing, a king who will be ready to take on all comers, a king who will get rid of the enemies, the the occupying Romans at the time. (laughs) They wouldn't have thought this at the time, obviously, but it's it's a bit like if you've seen Aragorn, in Lord of the Rings. I need to be careful here because I've only watched the films. I've not read the books, which apparently isn't great. But, I've only, but in the films, in the last one, The Return of the King, the battle's going on, and the battle's not going too badly until Aragorn appears, and his mighty army just sweeps through the enemy. A suffering servant for a king? That's not the plan. 
But this is the plan that's announced by God. It's good news about a king who will be a suffering servant. And it's good news about a king who will confront evil. You see, after this epic scene where we see God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all present together, do you see the Spirit takes them out into the desert? For 40 days as he's tempted by Satan. Did you know there's only, before this point, there's only two others that are called sons of God? Adam, right at the start, and then the people, the nation of Israel. And you see, Adam failed when he was tempted by Satan. The people, the nation of Israel, they failed when they were tempted by Satan. Here is God's true son. In the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 days, it would have reminded people of Israel in the wilderness, wandering around for 40 years, and yet this true son of God, he does not fail. We have a king who confronts evil. It's something we'll see as we journey through Mark's gospel. It's something we'll see when we get to the climax of Mark's gospel. Christianity is good news about a king who comes to confront evil. Isn't that something we need in our world today? And then we find out more about this king. It's good news about a king who brings in a new kingdom, verse 15. Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. But it's not a kingdom like, like a, a place where he rules and reigns. No, he brings God's kingdom, he brings his rule and his reign into people's lives. It's God's perfect, righteous rule. It is life as it's meant to be lived today. What does that look like? Well, we'll find out as we go through Mark's gospel. But here's the highlight from Mark 12. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself. Could you imagine a society where we look to do that? If you're a Christian looking to live under Jesus' rule in his kingdom, looking to live as he calls us to live, what would that look like for you? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself. In your neighborhood, in your workplace. I remember speaking to someone this week who said one of the main things that drew him to the Christian faith and to Jesus was the impact of a colleague at work and the way they lived, the difference that Jesus made to their life. Could you imagine the impact across Basingstoke as we go out to try and live loving God with all our hearts and our neighbor as ourselves? Christianity is good news about a king. And then finally, Christianity is good news to respond to, verse 15. As we travel through Mark, you'll pick up that it's a fast-moving book. Mark doesn't mince his words. He doesn't mess around. In fact, across his book, 41 times the word immediately is used. And so notice as we start right at the start of Mark's gospel this morning, there's no Christmas story. We missed 30 years of Jesus' life. 
Here's where he wants to start. And here are Jesus' first words as recorded by Mark. Straight to the message, verse 15. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Here's the call of Jesus. Will you repent and believe the good news? Repent, as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's acknowledging that I'm going in the wrong direction. It's, it's to stop, and it's to make a U-turn. We've heard a lot about U-turns this week. Sorry, I won't dwell on it. Don't worry. It doesn't seem to be a very popular thing. And here's the hard thing about a U-turn. Here's where I sympathize with people who have been called to do a U-turn. In order to do a U-turn, you've got to acknowledge that the direction you're going in is wrong. You've got to acknowledge that the direction of travel, the thing you're doing, is wrong. And we don't really like people telling us we've got it wrong. We don't really like admitting to ourselves that we've got it wrong. And yet the call from Jesus is, realize you've got it wrong. Repent. The message of the gospel is, realize that you've lived your life without acknowledging Jesus as king. You've lived your life with no regard to him. You've lived your life as if you're king, and I'll make my own decisions, and I'll decide what's important in my life. And Jesus says, no, stop. Recognize that I am king of the universe. Stop. Realize you're going in the wrong direction, and make a complete U-turn. Repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark says, I have good news. It's good news about a man that you have been waiting for. It's good news about a man who can wash us clean, who can deal with sin and our wrongdoing. It's good news about a man who will come and serve and suffer. It's good news about a man who will deal with evil. It's good news about a man who brings in a new kingdom. This phrase, torn open, in verse 10, if you can see it, is used, it appears in one other place in Mark's Gospel, near the end, chapter 15, as the curtain in the temple is torn open. It happens as Jesus dies on the cross with his arms outstretched. Jesus the King, the Son of God, the servant, suffers in your place, taking the punishment we deserve. Here in Mark chapter 1, heaven is torn open as the way is made open for God to come to us. Later on at the cross, as Jesus dies, the curtain is torn open as the way is made open for us to be able to return back to God. Maybe for you this morning, you hear that call for the very first time, and you're challenged and you know you need to say sorry and come back to him. Please do speak to someone you know who's a Christian. Come and speak to me if that's you this morning. Or maybe for you, you are a Christian. You have said sorry for the first time, many years ago maybe. Please don't stop saying sorry. Don't stop repenting. We're not perfect. We don't get it right every time. So keep coming back to Jesus and saying sorry. This is good news, Mark wants to say. It's good news about Jesus. It's good news about a king. 
is good news to respond to. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for Mark, for him taking the time to put this gospel, this book together, so that we, 2,000 years on, can read it together. Thank you that it is good news. Please help us to see the good news of Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. Help us to see this good news and to know it as good news for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.